Well, good morning. Uh, let me add my, my welcome. If it's your first time visiting Hebron uh, this morning, let me give you a, a very uh, warm and special welcome. We're continuing our study in Romans. We're in Romans uh, chapter 10, and we're looking at the first 10 verses, Romans 10, verses 1 to 10. The heading um, I've put over this passage is, The Word is Near You. The Word is Near You. Let's just read the passage through together. Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is Israel, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen. Let's just seek God's help. Father, we come before you now. We thank you for your living word. We thank you that your word is near. Father, we just ask that you would speak into each and every heart, bowed in your presence. Help us, we pray, as we study your word together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've followed the teaching these last two weeks, then you'll know that this section of Romans covers some difficult doctrine. And chapters 9 to 11 is not only a challenging section in the book of Romans, it's a challenging section in the entire Bible. Uh, The truth of election, God's sovereign choice and salvation, the unbelief of Israel, these are all difficult truths for us to attempt to reconcile. And it may be that after two weeks in Romans chapter 9, you're thinking, this is all beyond me. Uh, This is too complicated. I I don't understand it. In fact, the whole Bible is just too complicated for me. Well, today we come to chapter 10. And God tells us here that his word is not beyond us. It's not too complicated for us. In fact, its core message is 
is actually very simple and very clear. Because God has brought his word near to us. That's what Paul says in verse 8. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. And because God has brought his word so near, it makes it very clear. Now I remember a pastor talking about when he was in his teens, he started to read books seriously for the first time. And Christian books at that. And the first book he read was a book by John Owen, who was one of the Puritans who lived in the 17th century. And uh, the pastor said he devoured that book. He, He loved it. And so he decided to buy another book by John Owen. And so he went to the bookshop. Uh, He found another book by John Owen. He bought it. He literally ran home, put the kettle on, jumped on the couch, and settled down to read the book. And he opened the book, and on the first page, the first line that he read, the first sentence, this is what John Owen had written, and it should be on the screen um, so that you can read it for yourselves. But John Owen began this book with this. To the reader, if thou intendest to go any further, now let me paraphrase, it's not the easiest, but if you're thinking about reading this book, I would entreat thee to stay here a little. Think again. If thou art as many in this pretending age, a sign or title gazer, and comest into books as Cato into the theatre to go out again, thou hast had thy entertainment. Farewell. And to paraphrase Owen, in the words of the, the pastor himself, he said that Owen was saying, if on the scale of idiot to professor, you find yourself more towards the idiot end of the spectrum, then put this book down slowly and back away. And the pastor said that he heard the voice of Owen taunting him saying, this book is beyond you. It's too difficult for you. There are no pictures in this book. You've had your entertainment. Farewell. And the pastor said he put the book down and he never read it at all. Now, maybe you're in the same place with regards to the Bible. In this challenging section of Romans, maybe you're thinking the Bible is too complicated for me. It's for the academics. It's for the professors. It's for the pastors. It's for the preachers. It's for the church members. It's not for me. Well, that thinking is absolutely wrong. Yes, there are some difficult challenging sections in the Bible, but at its heart, its core message is simple, it's accessible, and it's available to all. And that's what's at the heart of our passage here in Romans 10. Paul writes in verse 8, the word is near you. God's word is is so clear and the reason it's so clear is because God has brought it so near. 
in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, how does Paul get from the difficult ground of chapter 9 to the clarity of chapter 10? Well, at the heart of today's passage is a question. How is a person saved? How is a person, how is anyone made right with God? Now, that's the central theme of the book of Romans, the righteousness of God. How can I, with all my sin and all my unrighteousness, how can I be made right with God? How can anyone be saved, Jew or Gentile, non-Jew? Well, chapter 9 answers this question from God's point of view. How is a person saved? It is through the promise of God, in the word of God, by the sovereign choice of God. Paul is teaching us in chapter 9 that it is all of God, nothing of me. I think it was one of the the other Puritans, Jonathan Edwards, that said, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Chapter 10 now looks at the answer to that question from a human point of view, from our point of view. Paul has no issue putting the sovereignty of God and our responsibility side by side in chapters 9 and 10. Now the answer in chapter 10, it couldn't be simpler. It points us to Jesus, to God's Son. We are made right with God by faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's look at chapter 10. I've got three simple headings and and they should be on the screen behind me. But in verse 1 we're going to think about Paul's desire. These are just lifted straight from the text. Verses 2 to 3 Uh, Israel's ignorance, and then from verse 4 down to uh, the end, verse 10, God's salvation. So Paul's desire, verse 1, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Paul's heart was breaking for his own folk, for his kinsmen, for Israel, that they might be saved. You may remember um, at the beginning of chapter 9, he talked about the great sorrow and the unceasing anguish in his heart for them. In verse 3 of chapter 9, he was prepared to do anything to see his kinsmen brought to faith in Jesus Christ. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. When Paul arrived in a town... To preach Jesus Christ. Where did he go first? The synagogue. To tell them about Jesus. What was their reaction? That's a wonderful message Paul. Let's let's sit down and, and talk more about Jesus. Well some of them believed. But the majority reacted very violently. Paul writes five times at the hands of the Jews he received 40 lashes save one. Three times he was beaten and left for dead. And yet Paul still writes my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. 
You know, I'm sure many people at the time would have said to Paul, you're wasting your time. They will never trust Jesus Christ. They could not be more opposed. How quick are we sometimes to write people off? To presume that people are beyond the grace of God. That they would never be interested. That they would never trust Jesus Christ. That takes us back to chapter 9. It's God's choice, not ours. You know, last month I I had the privilege of uh, listening to a church leader from Tunisia. And he was simply telling his story of how he came to faith in Jesus. He was brought up a Muslim. And he was being trained in the mountains in North Africa. He was being trained to become a jihadi. He was prepared to give his life for that cause. Until someone gave him a Bible. The word is near you. And he read it and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Think about Paul himself. No one was more opposed to Jesus Christ than Paul. And yet God chose him. Who is on your heart? Who is your heart breaking for? Who are you praying for to be saved? Family members that you've prayed for for years. Colleagues that you've witnessed to for a long time. Friends. Keep praying. Keep praying. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Well, why are they not saved, Paul? Why is Israel not saved? Well, that brings us to verses 2 and 3 to our second heading. Israel's ignorance. Paul says, Israel, well, they have a zeal for God. But it's not according to knowledge. It's not according to truth. It's not according to the word of God. Look at verse 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. They wanted to work for, to earn their own righteousness with God. It takes us back to the end of chapter 9. Verse 31, Paul writes there that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. Israel thought they could earn God's righteousness through keeping the law. A works based righteousness they did not pursue a righteousness that is by faith and they stumbled over jesus as their messiah and at the end of verse 3 paul says they did not submit to god's righteousness now paul brings all of this together in this final section in verses 4 to 10 and the focus is now on god's righteousness or god's salvation That's our third heading. How can a person be saved 
The spotlight now shines on Jesus Christ. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. What does that mean? Well, the word end has a double meaning. It can either mean end as in the objective or the goal. Or it can mean end as in the finish or the termination of something. Now, both meanings are true in relation to Jesus. He was the objective of the law. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said he had not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And he did. He lived a perfect life. He, he kept the law perfectly. He magnified it. He was the only man who, who could ever do that because he was holy. He was sinless. But it seems in the context that it's the, the, the meaning, the other meaning of end that's in view here. It's end as in finished or to terminate. And so the meaning is this. That when you come to faith in Jesus, you realize it's the end of trying to earn righteousness by your own doing. Through your own efforts. Now Paul expands on this point in verses 5 to 10. And he does this by going back to the Old Testament. And he quotes Moses twice. He's saying this is not new. It has always been by faith, not by works. Listen to Moses. And so he quotes, first of all, from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. And Paul says, listen to Moses, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Moses' point here is that if you seek to earn righteousness through your own efforts in keeping the law, then you need to live by them, by them all. In other words, to obtain righteousness this way, you need to keep the law perfectly in its entirety, every detail. That's impossible. No one can do it. Let me, let me give you two scripture references where Paul teaches the same truth. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things. Written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. And then quickly, just James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become accountable for all of it. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. 
That's not the way to God. Jesus Christ is the way to God. Now Paul quotes Moses a second time. Verses 6 to 8. Let's just read it again. But the righteousness based on faith says. Do not say in your heart. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith. That we proclaim. This quote is actually from. The book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 30. And I think it's helpful if we actually turn. To that passage just to get the context. Um, of the quotation that's taken. Remember that quotation from John Owen's book. You've had your entertainment. Farewell. This book is too difficult for you. Well let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Look at verse 11. God is speaking to his people here. And he says in verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today. Is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. Moses stands before the people. And he tells them the exact opposite. God says his word is not too hard for you. It's not beyond you. It's not far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us. That we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? God's word is not beyond you. You don't need to ascend to the heights of heaven or go beyond the sea to know God and to understand his word. God has brought his word near. It's not for the superhuman. It's not for the super fit. It's not for the super intelligent. No, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And it's the clarity of God's word that because God has brought it really near to us, his truth is so clear. Now, what is Moses' application of this word in Deuteronomy 30? The application is this, that because God's word is so clear, we need to obey it. There is no excuse. Look at verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today. Moses is saying there's a choice. You need to choose to obey God. And that leads to life and good. But if you choose not to obey God, that leads to death and to evil. Will Israel obey God? 
No. The context of Deuteronomy 30 through to 32 makes it clear. God knows that Israel will not obey him. Why? Is it because they didn't understand his word? No. Is it because God's word was not clear? No. They chose not to obey him. You see, something needs to happen to bring about this obedience. And it's to do with our hearts. And it's to do with God working in our hearts. And it's to do with the promise of God. Let me read verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. It's a promise of God. And now we come to Romans chapter 10. And Paul is standing on the shoulders of Moses. And Romans chapter 10 is actually the fulfillment of that promise in Jesus Christ. How does God bring life to a people who are disobedient and dead in their sin? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that comes from our hearts. And by God's grace, he gives us a new heart. It's the new covenant. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul moves from the clarity of God's word to the clarity of his salvation and to the clarity of Jesus and the gospel. How can I be saved? It's not about me. It's not about my efforts or me doing things It's about what's already been done through Jesus Christ. I don't have to perform some Herculean task. I don't have to ascend to heaven. I don't have to plumb the depths of the abyss to find Jesus Christ. He is not distant. He is very near. Jesus is near you. Jesus came down from heaven. Jesus um, has been raised from the dead. He's done it all. And through his death on the cross, he paid the price for my sins. And I know that God is satisfied with what Jesus has done through his sacrifice because his resurrection proves it. Jesus is near you. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. It is so near you can taste it. How can I be saved? It is so simple. By faith in Jesus Christ. Let's just read verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul says confess with your mouth. What do I need to confess? That Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You know, in the the original manuscripts which were written in Greek, 
The word for Lord. It's the word that the the Greek language uses in the Old Testament to translate the name of God, Yahweh. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. Jesus is God. He's sovereign. He's master. It means being prepared to confess that Jesus is my sovereign. That Jesus is my master. That I'll submit everything to him. That's exactly what Israel were not prepared to do. Verse 3, they would not submit to God's righteousness. And my life as a Christian will publicly confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You know, the word confess, it means to say the same thing. And in confessing Jesus is Lord, I am saying the same thing as God. I am agreeing with God that Jesus is Lord. And then finally, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Remember that promise back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that God will circumcise their hearts. The heart in scripture, it it, represents the very core of our being. The deepest part of our beings. With our deepest part we believe. Believe in your heart. What must we believe? That God raised him from the dead. Why not that Jesus died on the cross for my sins? Why the resurrection? Because it is the resurrection of Christ that proves beyond all doubt... That Jesus is who he claimed to be. And that he accomplished what he set out to do on the cross. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ that I am saved. And this is the core message of God's word. It is not complicated. It is not beyond you. It's simple. It's accessible and it's available to all. Verse 11, everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. God's word is not beyond you. It's clear. It's simple. Jesus is near you. Paul stands on the shoulders of Moses. And as Moses brought God's word to the people back in Deuteronomy 30, will you choose to believe, to trust Jesus Christ, to obey him, which is to choose life and good? Or will you choose not to trust him, to replace Jesus with something else? And at the end of it all, you will have had your entertainment. Farewell. But to choose that is to choose death and evil and hell. Jesus is near. God's salvation is accessible. 
and it's available to all. May God bless his word. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, we remember the words of Moses to the people all those years ago. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we pray to him? We thank you, we worship you that you are not a distant God, that God is near to us, that you came to us, that you walked with us, that you suffered and died for us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is near to every one of us. Father, we just pray for those who are struggling, perhaps struggling with their faith. We lift them up before you. May the nearness of Jesus be a reality, a comfort, an encouragement to them. We pray for those who haven't taken that step of faith. Father, may your spirit draw, draw them out, draw them to Jesus, speak to them. And we just pray that they would confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, we ask all this for your glory and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.